there, all you happy little podricks. Welcome to Thrones of Game, the Game of Thrones podcast that watches the series backwards. If you've never heard the show before, well, let me quickly explain there, friend. My name is BT Calloway. I've already seen the entire show, but joining me is Elliot J. O'Neill, who had never seen a single episode of this show until we started watching in reverse order. Elliot, how are you doing? <laughs> well, that bass was out of tune, but yeah. <laughs> If anyone knows the episode, that's a pretty good joke there. I know the episode, and I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, wait, were you doing Under Pressure or Ice Ice Baby? <laughs> what do you think? Well, I get it now, but my initial instinct is Under Pressure. Fair enough. Because I'm enough. not a heathen. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, un- uh, Ice Ice Baby by the Vanilla White Walker. <laughs> yes, we just watched season four, episode four, entitled Oath Keeper. But to fill everybody else in on this joke, this is the one where we see the Night's King turn a baby into a White Walker. Mm. Yes. Did we ever see Baby White Walker? Did I see that again? No, no. So maybe they either grow really, really quickly into zombies. Maybe this is how he makes like the more fleshy versions of the White Walkers. Because most right. of them are skeletal zombies, but they're like his main, uh, you know... Uh, Norse heavy metal band are all like still got some flesh on their bones somehow. We're not, uh, it's never really claimed how, but I guess maybe this is it. Right. But, but that's the question. Does the baby continue to grow up? Is someone now feeding zombie baby? <laughs> I have so many questions that never go answered. Why is this baby happy when it's in the arms of the White Walkers? But yeah. Maybe it just happened purely by chance when they were filming. They're like, that's fucking weird, but uh, leave it in, <laughs> I guess. Why not? Because I always wonder Those that. are the only takes they got where the baby wasn't just laughing hysterically. Yeah, like I always wonder when they need a baby to cry, does someone just flick a baby? Is that is that kind of <laughs> fucked up? <laughs> I always wonder because like, and you see it in this episode as well, where the baby's cries don't often, the visual and uh, yeah. audio don't often sync up. But in Labyrinth, mm. I think that's the movie with the greatest audio visual sync up for a baby crying like there's genuine tears like yeah that's the striking thing about that movie that baby looks like it's in distress that baby was being held by david bowie and knew that at this young stage of its life it would never get any better (laughs) right it had met the goblin king so uh wasn't gonna there's no uphill from that that's true yeah so what's he doing now i don't know working telemarketing somewhere yeah well i mean it is a risky endeavor. I mean, that baby could have been knocked into that giant cod piece at any moment, but still. <laughs> it's true. But yes, this was season four, episode four, as we mentioned. Uh, other things that happened, I actually kind of forgot. This is oh. the episode where Daenerys uh, takes Marine. Did you say the title? I did. Oathkeeper. Yep. Anyway, okay. Yeah, and we sorry. know why it's called Oathkeeper. Yep, we've, we've so, been given the evidence. I know. Oh, we'll hack into that in a second. But yeah, Daenerys takes Marine. Uh, is that and... a giant sword joke? We'll hack into this. Oh, it is now. Hell yeah. I love it when I stumble into puns. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Ice Ice Baby and uh, the Mutineers capture Bran and the Scooby Gang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we'll get into that. Elliot J. O'Neill, other than that, what just happened? Oh, man. This is fucking bleak, dude. <laughs> this was a rough one. Yeah, it gets so bleak. But again, I think Game of Thrones does bleak very well mm. because we spend, you know, the second half, well, pretty much the second half, what feels like the second half of this episode with these Mutineers up in Craster's old keep. Uh, basically abusing the hell out of all these women and being genuinely terrible to Hodor and to Ghost and to just the baby and yep. fucking everyone. But it just it feels bleak but realish in a way that isn't just, ooh, we're so evil. <laughs> it feels like, you know, discount Willem Dafoe, who we met last episode, he feels like he's just grabbed this bit of power and is now just strangling it, basically. And he's that dude at the pub that, like, won the footy match or some shit or, and he's still fucking bragging. 
He's yeah. not taking a moment to be humble and count his blessings. He's like, oh, everyone fucking loves me and I fuck everything. Yeah, there's this bit where he's sitting there and he tells some guy to go feed Ghost and mm. the guy's like, ah, you know, I'll do it later. And he's like, oh, no, you're going to do it now because I'm the best fight. They used to pay me five silver to murder people back where I come from, blah, blah, blah. The guy's like, oh, so if you want to, do you want to throw down then? And the guy's like, no, that wouldn't stand a chance. And he's like, yes, because I'm the best. And he's like, dude, you already won. Stop arguing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this fucking guy, the fucking baby lever and the wolf teaser. Yep. Fuck, I'm glad he died like an absolute cunt later I know. on. I was like, to the game. Yeah, there are a lot of satisfying deaths in this, but some of them are built over so long it's more of a relief than the 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 joy of uh you know that visceral joy of watching justice done. But this mm. this guy was a good villain in the sense that you just wanted him to die terribly. Yep. And then he did. <laughs> and then he did. So yep. this is actually interesting. I think I've actually seen this part uh, that part of the yep. episode. Because I was watching Game of Thrones on my you know original watch once and you just happened to walk in and go, Oh, is this Game of Thrones? And I'm like, Yeah. You're kind of watching a rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all like this. It just happens. But No, yeah. and that was the thing that I remember sta- standing out to me at the time. What's standing out to me? Anyway, yeah. um, that, yeah, there was like several rapes happening all over the place. And just, yeah, this discount Willem Dafoe, yeah. uh, D- DWD, um, <laughs> is just hoeing into some chicken. Holding, yeah. Hoeing into some legs. And fuck, man, it feels like weird because we go like we have the violence and the nudity, and this mm-hmm. is a light-hearted podcast. But yeah. yeah, this scene had both of those, and I'm very uncomfortable making light of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, me too, man. It's it, it's all fiction and whatnot, but it's still I get, I will give them the branch of doing bleak very well because it feels depressing. Yeah, I've seen plenty of things where they do violence and it's over the top and gory and meant to be like harrowing, and sometimes you're just like meh. Mm. Whereas this is, you know, no one really dies in this whole little section of this episode it's all and a lot of the sexual assault is like off screen or mostly off screen in the background out of focus but it's just there's that air of just misery yeah and i think they've done that very well it's just feels completely bleak and hopeless to and depressing as fuck and done so without rubbing your face in it you just yeah yeah, it's on the periphery. The camera is pulling focus yeah. in on the D- DWD, yeah. A- and um, yeah, like you said, it's all blurry. And the yeah, women who aren't getting raped off screen, the other women in the scene are all just despondent and bruised mm. and stuff. And yeah, just- yeah, I don't know if I can say I actually enjoy watching this sort of thing. Quite frankly, I don't. But no. I guess it it does ju- um feel the moment of them watching the fucking mm. uh, farm burn down. It yeah. It's impactful. Like yeah. it's not enjoyable, but you get an emotional response from it, and that's the point. So, yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's all the bleak kind of talk. We'll probably circle back to that as we go through a little bit, as we go through our notes. Bleak However, talk. Yeah, bleak. Wow, that's just just everything sucks. <laughs> What's this? It's that. It's bleak talk. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, lighthearted but, podcast. Lighthearted podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! Give me you. Uh, what was your MVP though? If not for the terrible bleakness we all saw, uh, what's what stands out as kind of your best bit? <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta say, before the episode was bleak, I think it was actually pretty silly. Yeah. And for very silly reasons, I really liked the uh, late night bedroom visit scene. Yeah, that, that was gonna be my pick because that's I remember you that. You recut that with fucking wacky sound effects. <laughs> Lots of doy oy oy oings. Oh fuck yeah! Just, Just yeah, Marjorie. This is uh, for a note. This is Marjorie Tyrell sneaking into Tommen's room and uh, doing a great job of flirting without really doing much. Mm. <laughs> it's basically just being, hi, I'm super hot. Yeah. 
Well, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell is, me a secret. Is this your cat? That's nice. I'm super hot. <laughs> and you're like 14. And I'm just like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like, if I'm not going to recut this scene with uh, wacky sound effects and turn it into a this summer, <laughs> I want to, like, do, uh, like, have you ever, s- I know, you know, sports, we never watch them. Mm. But if you ever seen the sports trope where they do the play-by-play replays and yep. then, like, circling John- things on the screen, drawing little arrows. Yeah, like, the way she goes in for the kiss, making him think that she's going to get it on the lips. Whoops, nope, defert to the head. Yep. Oh, and the last second kind of deviates up to the head. Oh, you hate to see a play like that, but she got it through. Wow, you just know he has an erection. <laughs> he is going to be masturbating tonight. Whoa. Yeah, you just kind of want a bit where, you know. Sir Pounce, please leave the room. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a bit where we can just have Donald Glover going, I have the weirdest boner. Because <laughs> that's, yeah. But again, it's a great scene. Again. Props to Tommen, who probably didn't have to act too hard in this scene, mm-hmm. given the fact that, um, what's it, I forgot her fucking name, god damn, Marjorie Tyrell as played by, come on brain, Ugh, why are you so bad at this? Meryl Streep. I mean, for sure, Meryl Streep until I find another. <laughs> um, yeah, he just has to play, like, excited and confused and also young and horny, and he's doing that 100% entirely just with his face. Natalie Dormer, there it is. Ah, oh, okay, I feel Nice. Right now. What else has she done? <laughs> Um, a really bad horror movie um, called The Forest or The Woods. It's bad. Um, she's in She's in a lot of bit parts. I think she's in one of the Hunger Games. Uh, she crops up here and there. All right. Nothing major is to the better of my knowledge, which is a shame. I think she's in a lot of series. I think she's in The Tudors. So she probably wears a lot of corsets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of those careers that's defined by corsetry. <laughs> Coming up later on The Corsets. Well, I heard... Uh, okay, here I am trying to remember her name again. Natalie Tyrell. No. <laughs> Hang on. Pirates of the Caribbean chick. Kira Knightley? There it is. Yeah, I heard uh, Kira Knightley apparently did that piece of shit film Domino just because she's like, if I don't do like an action movie, I'm going to be in corsets my entire career. Because huh. <laughs> she'd done period pieces and she'd done Pirates of the Caribbean and it was just like, yeah, I got to break this cycle. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, at least a, um, you know, button-up shirt for an action movie woman that, uh, you know, gradually disappears as the movie goes on. Way more comfortable than a corset. Oh, for sure. Mm. Yeah, still, Domino. Awful movie. Don't watch it. Um, yeah, but my, I think, I mean, that was going to be my MVP as well. I just remember it being funny and awkward and just good. And yeah, total props to Natalie Dormer for na- nailing that. And whoever that plays Tommen for just reacting it with eyes that are like, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, like, I'm going to get into this more in a second, but this episode felt like a few different shows. I think we yeah. had that sort of feeling about it again. And although this was a bit lighthearted and goofy and uh, fun, um, I-, I did feel the greater impact of it all. And mm. the... Uh, yeah, what do you call it? Just her acting, you mm. know, and doing her grandmother's wishes and all this sort of shit, you know. Yeah, this is all the this is their game, which is not the violence murder kind of thing. Yeah. It's more the, you know, intrigue and seduction and again, we get a bit of Sass Queen talking oh. about how she won over her future husband by just getting lost on the way back from her embroidery re- lesson and <laughs> wouldn't you know it, he didn't make his way down to propose my sister cuz the fucker couldn't walk anymore from too much banging. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, yes, granddaughter, when this fucking weird head thing comes off." <laughs> oh, yeah. you don't want to it's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, love a bit of sex positive sass queen. Yeah, no, she was just I was good. I was very, very good. <laughs> the, her delivery of that though reminded me of fucking Rally Birkin. I don't know. I was I, uh, very, 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 very drunk at the time. Embroidery lesson. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> very drunk. And then he couldn't walk. <laughs> it is. But yeah, I do like her kind of just there's that moment of just 
almost gazing off in the half distance of fuck I was good damn <laughs> just like mm. sorry that might have been weird out of context for those of you listening at home there was a 90s British uh, sketch show <laughs> called The Fast Show I don't know how well it dates anymore but yeah Rowley Birkin it's you know it's a silly bit it's basically that game where you pretend there's a glass sliding door and yeah. you only like let out parts of the sentence yep. but yeah it's a rambling raving old English uh, barrister or something yeah, it just always ends, I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I always shit on English sitcoms and looking at you, Britain, for, yeah, just Little being Britain. catchphrase humour, but mm. this bit works for me. Oh, yeah, it was always fun for some reason. Anyway, anyway. back to Thrones off game with Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, uh, even before that, little back and forth with Marjorie Tyrell, she's got this great bit of, I am so sick of walking through gardens. <laughs> <laughs> just referencing to that bit we were talking yeah. about last time that was referenced in South Park. So yeah. Fucking Sasqueen does not hold back. I know, I love Sasqueen. She's so good. But I also really like when, you know, basically she pretty much reveals that she's the one who uh, killed Joffrey. And uh, Marjorie Tyrell's like, oh, what? And then, even then, she adjusts Marjorie's necklace. And we know now that the poison was on the necklace Sansa had. And so it's like almost saying, yeah, and she's ready to do it again by just kind of fidgeting with uh, Marjorie's necklace. Like, are they planning to kill Tommen next? I like that kind of, even though we know they don't, Mm. I like that kind of lead in of we've done it once and hey, maybe we're just preparing to do it again. It it was a very open to possibility gesture by just adjusting someone's necklace. Very good. Yeah. Well, this thing comes right after Littlefinger also admits to doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I just got to ask, I don't. I actually don't want you to reveal mm-hmm. who did, but uh, was it clear in Joffrey's death who did it? Uh, at the time, no. So right. in the actual episode, it's no one really knows. Uh, there's meant to be a visual clue. I want to see if it's there when we go back. Um, but you have seen the episode where Sasqueen pretty much just goes, yeah, it was me. Yeah. That's way back when uh, G- uh, Cecil Lannister, no, not Cecil, Jim Jam Lannister gives a, is like, oh, you know, I won't slaughter you. I'll let you drink this poison. She's like, good, thanks. Oh, it's nicer than the poison I gave your son. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bleh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember that. That was the first time I met Sasqueen. Yeah, the last time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm going to... Even though I think that uh, awkward conversation, awkward fun conversation with Tommen got my MVP as well, I want to throw out to uh, Miss Sunday teaching uh, Grey Worm to read. This was <laughs> Teach a- me to read. <laughs> I know. Such a great cliche in that. <laughs> but also, I like there's little subtext of the relationship because their hands are just like almost touching. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, really cute little bit. And also, um, you get a moment where uh gray worms like we kill the masters and even sunday's a bit taken back she's like oh, okay you're all about murder aren't you that's a little uncomfortable you took yeah yeah uh also i get to make the pun now bookworm so hey. uh, swish <laughs> motherfuckers i also really like in this episode they don't translate a lot of the other languages they're speaking they don't have subtitles they just speak it you can't even get in context what they're talking about but I appreciate that it adds that little dimension to it, especially in this learning to read moment where, yeah, yeah, it's the common tongue that they share is what we know. And then what they're sharing with each other in their own language is is to them. I like that. This is a very silly sounding language, though. I don't know. There's just lots of J's and SHs. Yeah. Like, a lot of MIS as well. Yeah. Again, we were in it and I was already thinking mishmash to come bash. Yeah. And... This scene also reminded me because they did have a word for Daenerys that wasn't Daenerys. It was Danarusi. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... That bitch does not need another name! <laughs> but it does remind me, like, you know, like, because countries aren't the names we call them in English. Like, yeah. Ital- I- I- Itali. Itali is <laughs> Italia, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, names don't tend to and change And it's also Italy. Much. 
if you really want to get into the common tongue, sure. But you just wonder how that came about. Oh, Italia, fuck that A. No, it's getting out of here. Yeah. Piss off with your A over here. And we're going to do it Italy with just an I. No, fuck that shit. Why? Epsilon. Yeah. Uh, the evolution of language is bonkers and stupid. Especially English. What a oh, bad language. It's a total mess. I feel very bad for anyone who has to learn it. Anyway. Um, but yeah, from that we go to... Especially bookworm. Yep. Uh, bookworm. Yeah, but from this we go to kind of the taking of Marine, uh, which they perform a reverse Shawshank Redemption by uh, <laughs> putting putting a bag on, dressing up as slaves and prisoners and going in through the sewers to kind of meet the slaves. And the slaves are like, oh, we can't rise up. And they're like, what if you had swords? Yeah. And they're like, now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Grey Worm was the guy that could get us anything. Well, he got us a shit ton of swords. <laughs> you either get busy living or get busy murdering the masters. Hell yeah. Yeah. I hated this. Uh, I hated the actual murdering the masters scene. I thought it was poorly done. It was very underwhelming. It's this one guy who sees some graffiti that says kill the masters in English. So that's weird. I mean, the common, whatever. Uh, and then. Like, so many people gang up on the one dude and then just rush towards him. And it's like, you have swords and that, like, piggying on a guy is not how you use a sword. You stab him with it. And it just looked like actors being told to crowd a dude. It didn't look violent or visceral. And this sort of thing is the first step in, like, a five-minute scene. And it's just like, cut to celebrations. It worked. Yeah, I know. that was It was very weird. Like, yeah, I agree. It's... It feels like someone goes, okay, look, the guy with the fake blood and the squibs was supposed to be here an hour ago, and we've got to shoot, we're losing daylight, so guys just um, packing around him, and guy being killed be like, oh dear. Yeah. Oh no. What? I'm being hugged to death, no! (laughs) Yeah, and this was, I wrote in my notes in this moment, finally, I get to see a people-level story in Mm. Dan Brady's adventures. It's such a good bit to have, you know, the slaves themselves take back the city, and therefore you don't need a big army to invade. Yeah. You just sneak your guys in, hand over the weapons, uh, assist them as they're doing, but we don't, like, it's kind of implied that Grey Worm and the rest of the Unsullied don't even do anything. Yeah. Like, surely it should be, you know, they corner this guy, the Unsullied maybe take out the um, the two guards, and then the slaves are, like, nervous, and they kind of encourage them forward, and the, the slaves take out the master. Yeah. That's a moment. That at least shows they, you know, took them out together, rather than just, okay, here's a bunch of swords, we're going to fuck off, goodbye. Yeah, and I thought this was going to be, yeah, kill the guards, capture the master, and then bring him out for judgment sort of moment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was just get straight to the half-assed crucifixions. Were they yeah. worried about being sued for, um, <laughs> um, what do you call it, when you do the same thing as a product? Plagiarism? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's tired. I'm <laughs> tired. Anyway, yeah, were they worried about the church suing them? Uh, that's our tea. I, I don't know. I we mean- came up with that. Yeah, now this is meant to be, it kind of gets referenced where uh, the Masters got a bunch of slave children and nailed them up like signposts, so they were pointing towards the city where to go. It was like a, yeah, gross. Um, so Daenerys kind of mentions that, so that's then that's what she does to them. Kind of almost looks a little bit goofy at one point, because there's so many of them all pointing in the same direction. Yeah. And also the varying degrees, like one guy is full agony screaming, and the other guy's like, oh... Just Mondays. <laughs> oh, honestly, now I'm nailed to a bit of wood. Ugh. I told them to pierce my ear. Ugh, what? Can't, what you pay for good help these days? Yeah, it it just kind of gets slapped. Maybe, again, Forward Watch is going to be maybe different. If you'd seen what she was referencing when she did this, it would have made more sense. But it just is a weird crucifixion that 
odd levels of uh, disparity amongst those being crucified as well. Yeah, like you said, maybe the forward watch gives this moment a bit more hype, but my consistent problem with all the Daenerys story is that it's just about her and people telling me that she's special, and I Mm. don't have any fucking reason to believe it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with that. Um, It's... I mean, she liberates the city, that's nice, but it's also, like, she's also standing on the balcony (laughs) listening to, like, all these screams, like, I know these were terrible people, but still pretty fucked up. No, definitely, and I guess that's the one running thing with Daenerys, is that she's always touted as bringing more mercy, but she's just as fucked up as the people A lot of people have had to plead with her to to show mercy, one guy, I can't remember the name of, does, and uh, she's all like, nah, it's going to be justice, which is all like violence and crucifixions. It's like, mm, maybe. Okay, well, you did it. Yeah. Shit. Good thing Snow killed her. Yeah. I really, I wish there had been someone other than like right at the very end, um, Bert New- Burnt Newton mm-hmm. uh, just does, is the one who's kind of doubting her rule. But I wish there'd been someone a little more consistently being like, yeah, guys, this is really fucked. Are we... Is everyone else seeing this? Everyone else is like, oh, she's such a great lead. No, no one else. Just me. Mm. Well, uh, say I was right. She destroyed King's Landing. Well, what's too late now. I'm on fire. Yeah, I guess it's weird that that big moment is when t- meant to be the moment where you're like, oh, shit, she got a dragon to level a city. Now she's bad. But she's been, yeah, consistently fucked up the whole yeah, way. she's been a little more fucked up. I think people just tended to gloss over it because uh, people suck. Well, anyway. Amelia Clark is ch- if nothing if not charming. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's very true. And those braids are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like Grey Worm's got a line here of a single day of freedom is better than a lifetime in chains. It's a good turnaround on better to die on your feet than live on your knees. I'm kind of bored of that saying. Yeah. I like to piss people off by going, no, no, you have that wrong. It's better to live on your feet than die on your knees. That's mm. way better. That's what, what are you doing? If you have a choice, that's what you do. Well, I reckon better to live on your butt. <laughs> yeah, butts. They're good for sitting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the kind of it, even though it is awkward, I do like the scene where she's marching in the city and they're all throwing down the slave collars. That's nice. But then, yeah, I agree. It kind of gets lost a little bit. Yeah, it's just so unearned. And especially because it's like immediately not at night and day, you know, mm. all grey and shit and then cut. And it's, yeah, celebrations in the streets. I, I just think it was poorly executed. Yeah, I, much like those masters, it was poorly executed. Hey! Anyway, moving on. Uh, got a Bron and Jim Jam training with a sword, uh, tra- teaching him to fight with his left hand now. And I yep. do like that he, Jim Jam kind of wins and Bron just takes his gold arm off and just slaps him with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't buddy cop necessarily, but yeah, buddy training sort of yeah. thing. And again, Bron's got a great line of, do you want to fight pretty or do you want to win? Yeah. I bet that, you know, sword parry straight through the king's back was beautiful, but it's not going to help you live. <laughs> uh, yeah, always always happy to see Bronn. Mm-hmm. Good fun. Um, but that said, there wasn't a whole lot else really from that scene. Uh, Jim Jam goes down to see Tyrion and, you know, he says, oh, the Kingslayers. Doesn't that sound good? And it's like, oh, oh Super Kingslayer brothers. I told you I'd bring <laughs> Super Mario into this. Hell yeah, And dude. there we go. <laughs> Shank. So... I don't know, if Joffrey doesn't feel like a bow... Oh, wait, no, he's Bowser Jr., duh! Ah, <laughs> wait, nice. Yeah, because Joffrey's dad is uh, the... Um... Is Jim Jam Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, sorry. Oh, oh, it's his granddad. Oh, okay, that's weirder. Okay, anyway, I'll circle back around to this. We'll uh, work Tywin it out. Tywin Lannister would be his granddad, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's who I'm considering Bowser in this metaphor. Okay. Well, that works as well. Yeah. Yeah, I know that lava pit Mario <laughs> drops Bowser in. That might have been his toilet. So uh, could it be a direct parallel? Yeah, and mm. I guess Cersei and Jim Jam can be like a couple of the Cooper kids. Sure. <laughs> Wendy O and Roy. Yeah. Oh, right. 
Yeah, I'll run with it. Thanks for that. The other thing I kind of want to notice, you were talking about this uh, episode feeling a bit wackier, and also the transitions are very kind of kind of on the nose, very very purposeful. There's a bit where, you know, um, Tyrion and Jim Jam are in the dungeon talking about, you know, she wants Sansa Stark dead. And he's like, well, Sansa didn't do it. She's not a killer. Not yet. Transition to Sansa Stark. And it's like, mm. they do a couple like that where it's really, I don't know, very... On the not on the nose, but near the nose, on the cheek. Yeah, you know, I do have a problem with the directing in the first half of this episode when it is doing these emotional moments, and especially the scene with Seesaw and Jim Jam. Fucking hell, mm. that was so soap opera to me. <laughs> I don't know, like, d- yeah, did, did you get that vibe? I got that. I can see you get that vibe. I do kind of take it of you know, there's that weird balance because he's a king's guard and she's queen regent. Um, but they still also have a relationship. So he's like, there's like, is this a formal thing? Is this an informal thing? How are we talking to each other right now? And she's kind of shutting him out by being, this is all business. And yeah, but also, you know, accusations. Cause you're all like, you failed to protect Joffrey man, you know, but I don't know the whole saying something, you know, where she's got a smile on his face, but she's looking away and the camera is just so fucking held onto her. Mm. It takes away the subtlety that I know that Lena Headey's giving in that moment just with way too obvious a shot choice. And it, that's yeah. what makes me think it's like not even fucking days of our lives, like fucking passions level soap opera no, shit. I think it's fair to say maybe this was, you know, the B unit and the A unit was out doing the depressing shit. Because mm. as much as the depressing shit is depressing, it's really well done because that's why it feels so bleak and terrible. Whereas this feels lighthearted and almost a little bit whimsical. Yeah. If it wasn't for all the crucifixions. But then again, consider this, we saw a bunch of dudes crucified and I was like, that's a bit goofy. Yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't, oh, oh, that, I mean, I know they were bad people, but ow, you know, it was like, yeah, that guy's not cr- screaming as much as the other guy. <laughs> so you were that dude that was in the movie theater of Passion of the Christ, just going, ha ha. No, just me going, well, this is a bit fucked. <laughs> that was a bad movie. Why did we all collectively go see it as a people? Because we all collectively were told to i don't know Mm. (laughs) something (sighs) my dad loves to tell the story that um he got convinced to go with one of his friends and she's a christian and Mm -hmm. um and like she's crying at the end of it she's like so impactful and he just goes blooper reel (laughs) (laughs) oh norm Uh, but yeah, let's see. We got a little bit of Sansa and Littlefinger, and I think because nothing really comes out of these scenes, these scenes are definitely more. The best thing you can say about it, maybe nothing impactful comes out of it because it's mostly just moving pieces. Jim Jam and Seesaw were having a discussion because we needed to understand their motivations and why Jim Jam then sends Brienne of Tarth after Sansa Stark, stuff like that. Yeah, I liked um, this moment. Um, fucking Brienne's just a fucking wonderful actress. I mm-hmm. wish I still said her real name in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, Swanson. Yeah, <laughs> and she sold it well. And it's a funny thing where, like, it's a bit of it's an origin story of her for this season. Pretty and it's much, like, yeah. Nothing I would have cared about. Oh, the story of how she gets her armor. But no, she this scene fucking rules. Yeah, and, and I do like she's got a little bit where she's um, Jim Jam gives her the armor, and she's just got a look in her eye that's like emotion. But then she kind of lets the the duty take over that emotion, mm. and it's a really kind of very subtle, all just in the face and the eyes where she's like really touched but then you can tell she just steals herself by thinking about what she has to do with this armor and then you know yeah it's a it's a great little bit it's completely subtle and again all in the face good why have we not seen that actor in more stuff there's mm-hmm. my question i mean maybe it's because i assume she's very tall <laughs> <laughs> well yeah more roles for tall women yeah there's a 
weird slogan. I mean, not weird, but there seems to be everyone's you know saying uh, LGBTQ or people of color, and tall is just like fourth on that list. Yeah, yeah, I it's guess a, it's a very specific, you know. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, but in this moment as well, she gets the other gift, uh, her very own pod. <laughs> I know, I love that cut. I also have another gift for you. Smash cut to pod just grinning like an idiot. Like, ah, oh, pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And I liked as well, because at the end of this scene, there's actually some really nice pull out and crane shots and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, her and Jim Jam are sharing these looks of, you know, uh, I I know you will keep your oath because you have the Oath Keeper and I will not do you wrong, Jam Jam Jammy. And subtly, Pod is fucking up the horse riding, but it's really <laughs> not getting in the way. Nice. I didn't even notice. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was my MVP last episode. Yeah. I mean, you could even say that it may be not, and maybe I'm projecting a little, but I was watching out for it, and yeah, it was used very sparingly, and I really liked it. Yeah, but most importantly, the other thing in this scene is he goes, well, all the great swords have a name. What would you name this one? And she says, <laughs> Oathkeeper, and we're like, oh, that's why that's this episode's name, but why is that other one called Oathbreaker? Because I've gone back to my notes for the Oathbreaker episode, and I can't even see Tilda Swanson's name in it. Yeah. I don't remember her being in that episode at all. No, the obvious reason why you would name that episode Oathbreaker is if her sword broke, right? Yeah, if her sword broke or if she killed Sansa because yeah. her oath is to protect her. Neither of those things happened, so what the fuck? Mm. Ah, still mad and confused and you know what? Of all the, of all the problems with Game of Thrones, I'm going to let that one piss me off the most. Yeah. <laughs> Just because Renegade Podcast, pew, pew, pew. Well, I will say the one thing that that last season did right was that her knighting scene fucking ruled. And I yep. did that without any of this, and mm-hmm. it still ruled. Yep, and I also do also like the very end of the show, you do see she's writing in the Book of All the Knights, uh, the last, you know, of Jim Jam's exploits, and here's a scene where he explains, oh yes, that book, I, the Lord Commander of the of the King's Guard have to write down the deeds of all the knights, and there's still room left in mind to kind of like improve his shady uh, reputation. It's like, okay, nice, nice. Hmm. that's the origins of that bit. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was going to say, so Littlefinger, Littlefinger's a little bit talking to Sansa. Um, not a whole lot great here, but I do like he does confess to Joffrey's murder, but we're also like, but did he? I don't mm. think you did. I think you just wanted to make it sound like you could do this. Um, and I do, But I do like, like his line of always keep your foes confused. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Sansa your foe at the moment, Littlefinger? Ah, he knows, just keeps like... everyone confused. That boy makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just going through my notes here. Yeah, I might be out. Yeah, I do like this bit of John training with the Night's Watch dudes and then Noah Taylor comes in and kicks some ass. Yeah, I'm enjoying him in this. Yep. Oh, yeah, and that guy who's like the acting Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, that guy really, really sucks. Like before, <laughs> we've had him on the on when the Wildlings attack the wall. He has this bit about the thing about leadership is, you you know, every single cunt is going to second guess you, but you can never second guess yourself. He's like, you know what, fair enough, guy I don't like. That's yeah. a fair point to be like, that's the burden of leadership. You've got to be, you know, and that even leads to his decision to execute Jon Snow because it's like you can't doubt yourself. You've got to just follow what you think is right and never question. And that was, you know, marks of him being a good leader. But here we see him being a shitty piece of shit leader. He's like, oh, Jon Snow, why are you teaching these people to fight? You're meant to be scrubbing chamber pots. It's like, this dude is clearly the best fighter you have yeah. who is teaching other people how to fight and live. And you're like, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go scrub chamber pots because I don't like you. That's that's a misappropriation of resources based on personal vendetta. And it's poor leadership. Yeah, and in this moment, again, feeling like another show, this was a totally, oh, damn you, crusty Dean. <laughs> like, oh, we're, we're going to play Louie Louie and have a keg parties and shit. Yeah. Or, I don't know, 
chop people up with swords. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Yeah, but then John, you know, goes on the quest to kill the mutineers, and uh, you know, uh, Noah Taylor goes with him, and some other guy. That Big guy, O Captain, my Captain moment. Yep, yep. That guy who I think died in the cave, uh, in the in the tunnel with the bridge and the giant, not the bridge, the door and the giant. Mm. I think that guy was there. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know these guys' names. Yep. I called him Noah Taylor, and the guy, and what who, who I'm pretty sure is also called Ed. That guy. Oh <laughs> you know. uh, yeah, a uh, skeezy fucking skeezy dude, metal roadie. Yeah, metal roadie Ed. Uh, yeah. We think <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, oh, I had another note. Um, because uh, Brienne of Tarth, you could short that to Brita, and I don't know if this was community. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of notes, dude. Oh wow, that was yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, to to. Go to our questionnaire. It is their nudity and violence. This is all around the uh, uncomfortable scenes with the mutineers. This isn't mm. fun nudity, so I'm not counting it as nudity. That's not fair. And also, Renate Podcast, I set the rules. Pew, pew, pew. Pew. Um, yeah, let me see if I got anything else here. Um, Jojen is just weirdly sweaty. The the kid who like can see visions. Oh, yeah. Later yeah. on, he does have a seizure, so I guess that's part of it. But he's just sitting there just oddly sweaty and like, what's what's up with that? Hmm. You're like everyone else, you're in the snow. Like, did they fuck up the heater for you or something? <laughs> Actually, I did notice that um, in the moment when they did capture the Scooby Gang, mm-hmm. yeah, it was all grey and stuff when they're outside and poking Hordo with sticks. Poor Hordo, yeah, Hordo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when they were in the barn, if you look outside the barn door, it keeps changing if it's an overcast or blue sky day. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I mean trying to film a show, it must be hell. It'll happen. Well, you and I have once filmed a show where some guy next door was using his whippersnipper, and the second he stopped doing that, he started using a blender. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when one of our actors showed up with blonde hair after being fucking brown hair in the scene we shot her in. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's not talk about any more about Dave Plus One, available now on DavePlus1.com and YouTube. Search Dave Plus One. Let's talk about my last little note of this, which is there's a bit where, okay, the guy takes the baby to like this little crown of um, ice sticking out of the ground and puts him on a table. And then that scene is kind of shot in like this high mountain cave. And then it kind of cuts to the Night's King kind of emerging from an open field. It's like, did he teleport? Is this magic? I don't, I'm confused, <laughs> but I, it kind of fed into kind of the mysticism of that moment. I dug that. That was cool. Even though it, I didn't understand it, it looked good. Yeah, I gotta say, this scene, like, I think, yeah, visually impressive, and especially I'd like the CGI for me here. Yeah. I thought it looked very good, but yeah, anything with a baby crying. I mean, baby, babies are purpose built so that when they cry, it is just, you get an emotionally upsetting response. Yeah. And if you don't, you you have something wrong yeah, with you. Yeah, you have questions to ask about yourself. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this was difficult, but I, I get the point, but yeah. Difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, he was happy in the Night's King's hands. He's like, ah, he's got <laughs> horns. I want to touch. <laughs> <laughs> They're so yeah. cute when they get their baby horns. Mm, yep. But yeah, if that puts me out of notes and that puts you out of notes, then we must ask our final question. How did we get here? Well, some uh, thing told Body me. Wants- <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I thought that and I was hoping you wouldn't. Oh, I know. So I- but you put it in my head and I had to give it, just send it back. <laughs> Uh, the next episode's called Breaker of Chains. So, mm. wow, we had Oathbreaker, now we've got Oathkeeper and a Breaker of Chains. M- maybe we won't f- know why this episode's called this. Yeah, maybe we won't. I mean, it is one of Daenerys's seven names. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, the Breaker of Chains. Mother of <laughs> Dragons. Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea. It, it, and is she also the Stevie Nicks in this metaphor? Breaker of Chains? Breaking uh, the Chain? Never mind. Yeah, yeah, I like that song. Anyway, I only heard it as a rumor that she's... Mm. 
Okay, wow. Just swinging at all these uh, Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, I got them. Don't worry. Just If you'd gone that with conviction, you would have landed. Anyway, well, that's next time on Thrones of Game. But for now, I've been BT Calloway. And that's been Elliot J. O'Neill. Goodbye. And for now, our watch has ended.